Jesus fucks. Get ready for the miracle of Mega, a comedy podcast from the staff of a fictional mega church. And, and not only does he f- but he's the best at it. I'm Holly Loren. And I'm Greg Hess. Our characters, Hallie and Gray, welcome a new guest each week, played by some of the biggest names in comedy and podcasting. Like Scott Ackerman, Lauren Lapkus, Paul Shear, Jason Manzukis, Cecily Strong, and Duncan Trussell. I just love to think about that, the light shining down on all those corpses in the water and Noah just going by and maybe, maybe a mom being like, please, we're running out of energy. Can you please let us on the boat? It's completely improvised and it's devilishly funny. Is there any question you have for us about, you know, what it means to live a life in Christ? I guess, how much do you think is bullshit? There's a new episode every Sunday. Listen and subscribe to Mega, wherever you get your podcasts. Best I ever had. Best I Y'all can do it. Y'all can do it. Y'all sing along. You know what I'm saying? Here it goes. Jesus, you the best. Jesus, you're the best. You're the best. You're the best. Jesus, you're Jesus, the best. You're the best. Oh, okay, best never mind. Best I ever had. Best wow. I ever had. detective came and knocked on the door and I said is it Renee and he just gave me that solemn look it was the worst day ever the proof podcast is back with a new case and a new season 23 years ago 18 year old Renee Ramos went missing her body was later found in an empty Home Depot building on the edge of town I don't think that they arrested the right people it's about time somebody's trying to do something she had a black eye about two weeks before she was murdered They are involved. They definitely had her body and her backpack. You know people are going to judge you, right? Of course. They're judging me now. They've been judging me damn near my whole life. You can listen now to season two of Proof, wherever you get your podcasts, and follow along with us as we reinvestigate the murder at the warehouse. I have to ask, did you kill Renee? You know, I'm listening to Michelle Obama's book right now. It's really, really good. It might be better if you paid attention to the show while we're doing it. Yeah, maybe listen to it after the podcast. (laughs) One of the things she talks about is when she and her brother were young, they would, like, make fun of somebody or they'd be mean about somebody. The parents said to them, you know, you don't know the context of what they're saying, because we all have lives that have a context and you don't know what that is for that person. So you shouldn't be critical. Let's not do a cold open. I just was going to say, I'm sick of digging for stuff to try and do the cold (laughs) open. This all started with the stuff that we say before we start taping. And then now it's just like, it used to just be, good luck, Adam. And then you guys would go back and forth. No, I would say, like, hey, Baldy. Yeah. I know some women that are really attractive <laughs> <laughs> you. I don't remember you doing that, but now you've yeah, done I it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you something. Michelle Obama's parents would not have put up with that. You don't know the context <laughs> of my hair loss, Bonnie. Yeah. It could be something really awful. And it's made me really think about the way I react to Adam. I think I should be less critical. Yeah, but not so much that you don't yell, hey, Baldy. (laughs) (laughs) I've never said that. No, you just did. No, I know, but I normally don't. I would take a quick look out your window and see if Will Smith is anywhere nearby. That's what I would do if I were you. I'm so bored with these 
fucking cold opening. Let's not do a cold open. Let's not. No, I like the idea of it. But, you know, I think part of the nature of our show is that we don't have the artifice of, oh, we're starting a show. So I thought to let people kind of peek behind the curtain, see what happens before we do the show, that'd be really good. But ever since we started doing that, there's not like good stuff that's happening before the show. You know, Bonnie, I have to tell you something. It's not a big mystery what happens before we do the show. And peeking behind our curtain is not all that informative in any way. Let me explain to you about what a cold open is. You really got to grab. That's it's a grabber. It's a grabber, isn't it, Paula? Yeah, it's a grabber. It's not a peek behind the curtain. It's a grabber. If you peeked behind the curtain and there was like a dead guy back there, that would be a grabber. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I have one thing. Does it start with Hey Baldy? <laughs> no, I'm really sorry about that. I was just grabbing at something to say. Okay, so I used yeah. to have a trainer, and he would say that he fired for the workouts, which meant like he'd get all stoked up on, I don't know, vitamins, whatever, protein powder. So I fired for the podcast with a cup of coffee. I'm ready to go. That's not a grabber either. (laughs) Boy, that's a peek behind the curtain, huh? Yeah. You know, I'd love to see, I don't know, National Geographic or PBS or or, or Ken Burns or somebody come in and do like a good, long, deep dive kind of documentary into our show. And there could be a whole episode on the fact that you drink coffee before we begin. That's... I do have to say, I like the fact that you read an athlete's account of how they get their body in perfect physical <laughs> fettle with vitamins and supplements to make sure that they're a finely tuned machine before they perform. And your reaction to that is, oh, I should drink coffee. It yeah. fires me for the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> God, okay. you know. Otherwise, it's going to be like, we got a book club. We yeah, we'll get it. We get it. Book club. <laughs> I think we start we can start the show now that we've definitely proved we can't do a cold open. I have such a headache right now. (laughs) You just held out a huge cup that you said had coffee in it that you're drinking to fire for the podcast. (laughs) And now you're bitching that you have a headache? Guess what? Yeah, you know what I do before the show? Oh god. Okay, this is kind of a peek behind the curtain. See this hammer? I whomp it into my head just before the show, so I'm fired for the podcast. Fuck, I have a headache. What? What do you think that's about? Where do you think that's coming from? Oh, my gosh. Here we go. I can't wait. Okay. Get fired. Get fired, Adam. Get fired. I'm fired. Here we go. Coming to you live from our houses in Los Angeles, California, it's Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, the cold open free podcast that is also your comedy (laughs) field guide to life. Tonight, the written word definitely isn't dead, but is it happy? And could it maybe tell us that it's happy without using all those hearts and smiley faces? And if it uses lots of hearts and smiley faces, does that mean that the written word is a lady? Is the written word coming on to me? Our old friend Jonathan Bowman is here to help us explore expressive communication in the digital age. And you've got stuff to say about our show. And we've got stuff to say about the stuff you done said about our show. It's our review of listener reviews. (laughs) 
I'm Adam Felber. This podcast's relentless autocorrect, desperately trying to impose order and conventionality on a ceaseless stream of incoherent verbiage. And now, please welcome the human equivalent of an infinite number of monkeys with an infinite number of typewriters and an infinite supply of Doritos and Diet Pepsi. It's Paula Poundstone. Yay! Hey, you guys! I am so fired for this show. And (laughs) before I say another word, I want to say thank you to tonight's house band, Chris Ketchum Campbell on the Git Fiddle. Chris is a singer-songwriter based in Nashville, Tennessee. Thank you so much, Chris. Yeah. Hey, Chris. What's new, Paula Poundstone? I, you know, I want to give the listener, because I know this is important, I want to give the listener a little peek behind <laughs> the curtain of Nobody what? Listens to Paula Poundstone. Um, okay. You know, I've been training for our upcoming race. After we got the training tips from Carl Lewis, our 100-meter dash. That's exactly right. We're doing a 100-meter dash competition among the voices from Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. So as I've told you before, I run in my alley. I just run the length of it. I don't know how long it is. I don't measure it. And you post videos occasionally, too. I do occasionally. And I get to the end of the alley, and I pretty much bend over and wheeze for a little while. So I did that a couple nights ago. It was dusk. I had on a black T-shirt, I confess. I ran to the end of the alley, and I leaned over, wheezing, and a car turned into the alley, and it hit my hair. What? What? Yeah. I mean, my hair is kind of sticky outy, and... It was so fucking close. No, it wasn't going fast, fast. Did they ever see you? They just never saw you. No, they did see me and they stopped. But, you know, it was an electric car. And so I didn't hear it. um, And I wasn't focused on it. Plus, I was wheezing. Um, But it turns out they were pulling into their garage, which is the first house at the end of the alley. And uh, they stopped so that they did not hit me. But they didn't say a word. They didn't roll their window down. They didn't say, oh, my gosh. And I sort of said, like, sorry, um, because I knew they didn't see me. But it was only later that I realized how weird that they had no react, you know, that they weren't like, oh, my gosh, that was, you know. Well, did they know it was you? I don't think they knew it was me, me. Maybe they did, maybe they didn't. But I don't think it matters. They might have been scared of you. You're not supposed to hit anyone. You're a dark, shadowy, wheezing figure hunched over in an alley stalking their carport. Yeah, maybe they were thinking of it that way. I think it was more just a, I'm a rich fuck driving home and and I don't care who I hit. Exactly. Yeah. I mean. Well, I guess it could be that one too. Here's the really upsetting part. I think it would add time to my run. (laughs) And I am taking this competition very seriously. Carl Lewis thinks I can take a third off my time. And, uh, you know, this would have added to it. So anyways, it was my big dramatic story. It's a story of nothing that happened. They hit my hair. I'll tell you what. I was biking in Winchester, Massachusetts one day 20 years ago when a car went through a stop sign and hit my bike. I went flying about 20 feet away from the bike. And the woman who hit me said, oh, my God, are you all right? And I said, I think I am. And she said, here's my business card. I'll fix your bike. I got to get to the airport and pick up my son. And then she got in her car and, and drove away. 
What was she supposed to say? Get in. Let's go pick up my son. And then her son comes out of the airport and she says, honey, I'd like you to meet the man I just hit. That's the beginning yeah. of a lot of movies. You're right. Maybe we should move on to the book club then, huh? Yes! Let's call this week's book club to order. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited. Yeah, here we go. Book club. I feel like there's usually a thing that happens at the beginning of the book club. Yeah, there is. Yeah, there's like a a thing that sort of sets it up, a thing that sort of gets people thinking book club. What, it's what not a full it? song. It's more like a, something that just sort of like lets people know what we're doing. Yeah. Somebody brilliant came up with it. Yeah. <laughs> it's not my <laughs> recollection. No, no I, guess, I guess you're right. Not, not brilliant. Brilliant wasn't the word. It was a theme song, right? Yeah. Yeah, do you want me to sing it? Yeah. You do? I guess really? so. Yeah. Yeah. Paula, if I may, I think I need to let our audience peek behind the curtain right here. Because, Bonnie, weren't you supposed to not sing the theme song? Yes, but you were taking so long. I was like, what's he fucking doing? In our meeting yesterday, I thought Adam was going to say, a listener wrote in and they've got a book club theme song, but he kept not saying anything. So I thought maybe he wanted me to do that. Oh, I, that was not my understanding. <laughs> oh, my God. You guys don't communicate well at all. Right. I know. I, I wish yeah. I'd had an emoji. You know what? Did a listener write in with the theme song? <laughs> no, but that goes to show, like, then nobody's might not know this. We have, like, a meeting the day before the show, a phoner. Peek behind the curtain. It lasts maybe 20 minutes, 25 <laughs> minutes. And then stuff happens like this, where yeah. there's, like, misunderstandings. Yeah. It's bearable for about five minutes, and everything after that is just painful. <laughs> <laughs> We're a little by the seat of our pants. Buddy, just do it. listener submitted a book club theme song and his name you don't have the script yeah Bonnie, i do it's, it's, but i don't usually look at the script because that a girl. i don't do stuff that uh, <laughs> involves a script what's his name yeah oh there it is Casey Nowak. This is like an interview with De Niro. <laughs> I don't usually look at the script. Was I supposed to say it? Okay, here we go. We've been asking for theme songs for different things we do on the show. Casey Nowak submitted a theme song for the book club. Okay, let's hear it. Okay, let's hear it. I don't have it. Do you have it? I think Rebecca has it. I sent it to Rebecca just in case you didn't have it to play. So she should. I'm supposed to play it? No. She's about to play it. We've got a book club, a bookie, bookie, book club. We've got a bookie, book club. Don't you wish you were reading Hunger Games, a book club, a bookie, 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 book club. Don't you wish you were reading the Hunger Games? A bookie, bookie, book club. <laughs> We're reading Twilight. A bookie, bookie, book club. Bookie, bookie, book club. That is fantastic. Ah, he did a great job. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, apparently, uh, Casey Nowak wishes that we had read... Hunger Games instead of <laughs> Twilight. I got to tell you, Casey, after the experience we're having right now, I'm not sure we're ever going back to the young adult genre. But um, <laughs> yeah. 
Maybe we would have had more fun with Hunger Games. Thank you so much for that. I think you should give him a soap or something. It's a weird thing to say. Wait a minute. We could give him a autographed hotel soap. Casey oh, Nowak, yeah. for your fantastic <laughs> theme song, we're going to give you one of Paula Poundstone's famous autographed hotel soaps. And with that, finally, 35 minutes into the book club, we're going to start the book club. All right. We read chapters 15, 16, and 17 of Twilight. As a program note, Tony Anita Hull is not here again. Yeah. Let me give you this week's summary. Okay, so, like, Edward spends the night in bed with Bella, which is super sexy. But again, no sex. But now they're, like, making out all the time. Like, <laughs> some kind of, like, vampire nuzzling, which is super sexy. And Edward is, like, so into Bella. And then Edward's like, let's meet my vampire family. And Bella's like, okay. And they meet the vampires who are all, like, beautiful and super sexy. But guess what? They're totally into Bella. So, like, then they go back to Bella's house, and these native werewolves who are, like, totally into Bella try to tell Bella to stay away from vampires. But Bella's like, nah, I'm going to go introduce him to my dad because he's, like, my boyfriend. So then Edward takes her to watch him play vampire baseball, which sounds lame, but is actually super sexy. Until these three, like, bad vampires show up, and it's like, uh-oh, because they might eat Bella because they are totally into her, which is super sexy, but also, yikes. <laughs> is that, is, That's is that, it? That's it. I could not stop reading. <laughs> I, these were fantastic chapters, and I just kept going. I was on the edge of my seat. Uh, I wanted Bella to get away. These were some excellent chapters, and I'll tell you something. I'm going to give you a little sampling. Uh, so what chapters were these again? 1617. <laughs> these are some of the best chapters I've ever read. And here's a piece of chapter 16 from another book that I've been reading called Mountaineering, The Freedom of the Hills. It's, Wait, what? Uh, 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 yeah, I'm just comparing. the. Okay. This is uh, under the topic of self-arrest, which you okay. might think is where you slam yourself up against a, a wall and you say, up against a wall, motherfucker. And then you twist yourself around and slap handcuffs on yourself. But no, uh, self-arrest in mountaineering is different. Preventing a fall is a primary goal while climbing. But if you fall, your life can hinge on self-arrest skills. Uh, so I think that this Twilight chapter 16 was much more exciting than that. Here's another book that I have. This is a little bit of chapter 17 from Einstein. Einstein was initially impressed. It's a first-class stroke of genius, he told Whale. But he had one problem with it. I have not been able to settle my measuring rod objection yet. So to me, this Twilight chapter, so much more exciting than that. Here's the opening of chapter 15 from Andy and Don, The Making of a Friendship and a Classic American TV Show. Don wow. Knotts entered the autumn of his life with newfound respect for his body. He had kicked sleeping pills, drinking, smoking, and bad living. He swam daily and galloped upstairs to reach his exclusive Beverly Hills gym. He dined on vegetables and fish. Sometimes dinner was little more than a fruit plate. So to me, the, the Twilight Chapter 15 was a lot more engaging than that. So have you gotten to the point where you're just trying to find books that are less engaging than Twilight? No, I'm telling you, I couldn't stop reading. Oh, oh so you're, really, you're genuinely enjoying it now. I really am. And you know what? I'm reading along and I'm hearing the descriptions of the vampires and all of a sudden I realized Jared Kushner is one of the bad vampires. What? 
<laughs> Doesn't that make all the sense in the world? Well, he's not really supernaturally handsome in any way. No, but I don't think the bad vampires were handsome. I, I didn't really get a good description of him yet, so you might be right. Yeah, I've got it. Yeah, but you know, but you look at that pale, pale skin and the way he's sucked the country dry. That's oh, yeah, Jared, <laughs> Jared Kushner is one of the bad vampires. I is, yeah. I'm sure of it. Uh, anyways, yeah. I am loving these chapters. I got to say, I, I am entertained by these chapters. I, you know, I'm a little tired of all the vampire nuzzling going on. <laughs> I think the reason for so much vampire nuzzling, when you think about it, now that we know that, how, how old is, is Edward? He's like hundreds of years old. He's about 100. Okay. What can he talk to this girl about? I have a friend who's probably even a little bit older than me. And years ago, I was working in New York. And this guy had a new girlfriend and she was like half his age. And he insisted that we all go out together. And it was one of the most boring evenings of my life, uh, sitting with him and this girl, because there's just nothing to talk to her about. There's no pop references that we have in common. There was, it was just incredibly awkward. And I realized, you know, I hope they're happy, but all they have is sex because there's, there's nothing to talk about. Uh, so that I think that explains. I mean, Edward has had a hundred years of life experience, and Bella has nothing. He can't have sex with her because he'll kill her. Yeah. So all they have is nuzzling. Bonnie, how did you feel about these chapters? This is what I think. I fucking hate reading this book. Okay, but you, <laughs> let me ask you something, Bonnie. Did you read these chapters? I skimmed these chapters. Oh, she didn't read the chapters. No, no she didn't. <laughs> I went on Sparks Notes to see oh my like what I might have missed. No, but I just want to say this one thing. Motion to censure Bonnie Burns. I yeah. think no. the, the writer did a really good job of... The writer of Sparks Notes? Yeah. No, no, no. Right. What the writer? writer? The writer of the book. You know, it's a tenderly told love story. And it's got all those things about... You don't know about, that? You didn't read no, it. It is. I skimmed. <laughs> Oh, God. Anything that encourages you to skim is bad. You skim yeah, everything. You skim when you're listening. <laughs> Where they're at now is that it's a very tenderly told love story with all that stuff you go through about what do I wear to go visit his family? And, you know, you've got this boyfriend that can appear and disappear. So she's going through all those steps and he is too of like falling in love, teenage love, except he's a vampire. And I think they're setting the landscape here for her to start realizing like, hey, there'd be some really good things about being a vampire if I get together with him. I like his family more than mine. And so, you know, the plot's starting to thicken. If you were a young adult, this could be a good book if you would like these kind of books. And isn't that the dilemma at the crux of every vampire story since Dracula? Like, is he going to make her one of him and consign her to eternal but cold, lifeless life? It doesn't seem like lifeless life. Well, no, no. And no, in, in this particular version of the vampire story, it seems like a pretty sweet deal. Yeah. I don't know how they're going to address that going forward. But I do know what I want to address is Tony Anita Hull's comments on the chapters up to this point. Here we go. Tony says, I am still enjoying the book, but I'm waiting for something like totally major to happen. It has been kind of too easy. I need more conflict, people. However, love is in the air. The old L word is being thrown around with a lot of forevers. But it seems Bella and Edward can't kiss without something terrible happening. Is that foreshadowing that maybe that just can't be? 
like Bonnie was saying. Anywho, stoked that Bella met the Edwards fam and we got to hear all about their depressing history. The Cullens don't hold back. At least they all have serious morals. I mean, Carlisle was basically willing to die instead of just feasting on some humans. What a sweetie. Also, I'm glad that Charlie was cool about Edward and Bella, but he, of course, doesn't know that Edward is a vampire. Again, how do people not know about this? But Bella was able to figure it out. I am a little worried about these other vampires that are hanging around, though, which Paula has no doubt gotten interested in and listened to way forward. How did Tony know that? This feels like bad news bears, but it also may be the conflict that I'm craving. Oh, and let's not forget that Mike kissed Jess, so now maybe they will both be a little more tolerable. Wow. You know, the irony here is that Tony is away right now on a Twilight-themed cruise. (laughs) (laughs) There's no food served on the cruise. Uh, It's unusual, but vampires, of course, don't eat. So what they do is at at midnight, they release a bunch of mice and voles and ground feeding animals. I'm sure it's good. I'm sure it's great. (laughs) Well, on that. I bring book club to a close. Paula, do you have any words this week for us? Uh, You know, I do, Adam. I have a word. Trumpery. It's a noun that means things that are superficially attractive or appealing, but have little real worth. It's a real word. <laughs> it's it's a real word. I did not make it up. In fact, and I bought this dictionary years ago, so it's not Trump mockery inspired. Uh, here, I'll, I'll use it in a sentence. I was on the set of The Price is Right once. It looks all bright and shiny on TV, but up close, you can tell it's just trumpery. That's true. I say, I say trumpery. What a fine word. I wish I could remember this word. It seems to me... Was that a little bit of brandy? Yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. Carry on. (laughs) Uh, What a good word. Uh, Let's put in the vocabulary song, which is my only hope of remembering it. Oh, yeah. That's the stuff. This week's word is trumpery. It's a noun that means things that are superficially attractive or appealing but have little real worth. I wrap a rhinestone tube top around my girth. Last week's word was ortend. It's an adjective that means of a person's voice, resonant and impressive, but it also means of writing or style pompous. I guess the Whittingdales of Orange County won't be sitting with us. The week before that, the word was redolent. It's an adjective that means strongly suggesting or making one thing think of something. I think of Christmas every time I hear Bing. Going back before that, the word was flounce. It's a verb that means move in a way that draws attention to oneself in order to emphasize one's impatience or annoyance. Liberace, I've had it with your constant flamboyance. Let's never forget Gallimaufry, which I pronounced wrong until nobody James Hyder corrected me. It's a noun that means confused jumbler medley of things. Hodgepodge, who's podge, hodgepodge. Adam doesn't think my song is replicable, replicable, replicable. But I do, I do, I do, I do. Yay. Oh, boy. You can yeah. really, uh, I, you know, I'm sorry I wasn't available uh, for so many hours this last week, but you can really see where putting in that practice time was <laughs> worth it. Yeah. That was impressive of I, I do say so myself. Letting human relationships in your life fall by the wayside as you practice glockenspiel to produce that result, <laughs> that was that was worth it. Totally oh, worth it. Oh, I think so. I, You know, you got to look at the big picture. You got to think about what am I offering the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> 
Bonnie Burns, America's leading armchair psychologist. If you can tell me which of the following might be spoken by someone lacking probity, a former nobody listens to Paula Poundstone vocabulary word, we will give literally dollars worth of advertising to the book joint at Boxville, 330 East 51st Street, Chicago, Illinois. However, and I'd rather shop at Mo Brooks Brothers than even think about it, but if you cannot tell me which of the following might be spoken by someone lacking probity, we will not be able to give literally dollars worth of advertising to the book joint at Boxville, 330 East 51st Street, Chicago, Illinois. Bonnie Burns, are you ready? I'm ready. Which of the following might be spoken by someone lacking probity? A, historically, the party whose president is in office loses in the midterm elections. We may as well just give up. What's the point? It's all over. I'm not even gonna vote. B, I already poured my cereal and we're all out of milk. C, good to meet you, Queen Elizabeth. That is quite a hat. This is my wife, Alice. Honey, honey, don't you like the queen's hat? And this is our little son, Jasper. Jasper, give the queen a hug. He's a little shy. You know how kids can be. Of course you know how kids can be. You've pushed a few of them out of the old birth canal yourself, haven't you? Or D, I've been in two elections. I won them both. And the second one, I won much bigger than the first. Okay? Almost 75 million people voted for our campaign. The most of any incumbent president by far in the history of our country. 12 million more people than four years ago. Wow. Honestly, I don't have a clue. I barely remember you doing this word. I think I'm going to say, was C the one with the queen? Yeah. Yep. I'm going to say C. Oh, I'm sorry, Bonnie Burns. <laughs> and I am so sorry. The book joint at Boxville, 330 East 51st Street, Chicago, Illinois. Probity is a noun that means moral excellence, integrity. Oh. So the answer is D. So we cannot give literally dollars worth of advertising to the book joint at Boxville, 330 East 51st Street, Chicago, Illinois. And we cannot recommend that if you're in the Chicago area, you stop by the book joint at Boxville, 330 East 51st Street, Chicago, Illinois, and buy some banned books. I wish we could. Oh, that, that's really a pity. Yeah, it's a darn shame. That's what it is. I already forgot the meaning. What was it? Uh, You're like a uh, good thing. Nice. <laughs> you have dignity. What? We're moving on, Bonnie. <laughs> You're already screwed over that bookstore. There's nothing else to do. All right, here we go. Coming up, the 17th century English poet John Donne once wrote, more than kisses, letters mingle souls. And then he added a tiny drawing of a heart an eggplant and a peach and an animated picture of an antelope with the caption me so horny and mailed it to his girlfriend <laughs> we'll express ourselves with the written word when we come back adam yes one in five americans have learn a new language on their bucket list and the sixth one has start a podcast if that's you Make 2024 the year you finally checked 
learn a language off your list with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors. Don't do it. Or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. And Paula, I got to say, I really appreciate the whole like getting phrases that are important to know in that language right away, like how to order food, how to ask for directions, how to speak to merchants. And I really dig more than that, the speech recognition technology, because even if some of our listeners think that I have a weird cadence when I am attempting to speak Spanish, (laughs) I am am speaking it well enough for the Babbel app to understand what I'm saying, at least when I do it right, like this. Listen to this. Adios, Carlos. Ya te vas. Sí, es tarde. Entonces, buenas noches. Hasta pronto. I don't think you have a weird cadence. I think it sounds great. Thank you. Studies from Yale, Michigan State University, and others continue to prove Babbel is better. One study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college. Yikes. And their football team is fantastic. Babbel has over 16 million subscriptions sold, plus all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Is there some kind of special? Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription. Wow. But only for our listeners at babbel.com slash nobody. If I'm not mistaken, Paula, that is 55% off at babbel.com slash nobody. The one spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com. And then you just add a slash and the word nobody. And it's 55% off? Yeah. Wow. Rules and restrictions may apply. And if you're going to do it anyway, use our code. Adios. Hey, everybody. As longtime listeners know, when Helix Mattresses first started sponsoring our show, Bonnie Burns somehow got the drop on me and made off with the first mattress. But in the intervening years, I have gotten myself a Helix mattress. I've had it for almost a year now, and it has improved my sleep. It has improved my life. I could not be happier. The Helix lineup offers 20 unique mattresses, including the award-winning Lux Collection, which I have, the newly released Helix Elite Collection, which is a mattress designed just for big and tall sleepers, and they even have mattresses made just for kids. Now, if you're like me and you were a little nervous about trying it online, or like Paula, who was screaming in fear of buying a mattress online, don't be. The Helix Sleep Quiz takes into account your individual sleep preference to match you and your partner with the perfect mattress. I took the quiz and I ended up with the great mattress for a side sleeper, the Helix Midnight Lux. Take my word for it, everybody. The Helix Midnight Lux. Oh, don't want to take Adam's word for it. I don't blame you. Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. It's even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and... Two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula and use the code helixpartner20. This is their best offer yet and it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Paula, 
Paula, Paula. I invited you over, but <laughs> fell asleep. Helixsleep.com slash Paula. And if you're going to do it anyway, use our code. Hey guys, it's Adam, and tonight is January 3rd, and I am picking Giannis Antetokounmpo to score less than 36 points, and James Harden to score more than 16. Why? Because I like beards. Am I putting a lot of money on this? I am not, because I'm not really a gambler, but I am having a lot of fun with Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. They're the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. It's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, who I would lose to, you pick more or less than two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in, or in my case, not. So I don't bet a lot. With the basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League, a league created specifically for combo projections that include two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, LeBron James and Travis Kelsey had a 10.5 combo of three points made, plus receptions. Do I get that? Kind of a little bit. Prize Picks even offers a reboot policy so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. For football and basketball, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and doesn't return in the second, that player is rebooted. So, it's like an insurance policy. Go to prizepicks.com nobody and use code nobody for a first deposit match of up to $100. That's prizepicks.com nobody and use code nobody for a first deposit match of up to $100. And then drop by and see how I did with the Greek freak and Harden again on January 3rd. My hopes are not that high. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. On this day in unremarkable history, Ralston Purina co-founder William Danforth said, well, you're not getting anything else. <laughs> and we're back. Thank you. House band Chris Ketchum Campbell, everybody. Yay! Yay! Paula, what's on your mind? You look puzzled. You know what? I am puzzled, Adam. You know, you may have never noticed this before, but you work here on Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone with all women. I have. I have noticed that. You know, I don't think about it a lot, but most of our communication is via email, and I wonder if there's a gender component to our occasional misunderstandings. I have no way of knowing. But, like, when you keep sending me that eggplant emoji, hey, am I reading that wrong? I wish there was someone who could answer some questions on this topic, but there isn't. I, I, I guess it'll just be a mystery. That That's okay. I'm used to not knowing stuff. That's fine. Well, I, uh, this is unprecedented in that this has happened for this many straight weeks. But, Paula, it just so happens that the thing that you're wondering about is the thing that a guest that we have here is an expert in. No! <laughs> Yes, as luck would have it, our guest today has a PhD in interpersonal communication. Please welcome back Professor of Communication Studies at the University of San Diego and author of Nonverbal Communication and Applied Approach, it's Jonathan Bowman. Yay! Jonathan, our good friend, welcome back. Hey, thanks for having me. Yes, welcome back. Thank you. You know, Jonathan, I was just thinking how much pressure there, there must be on a guy who's a professor in interpersonal communication. Is that what it is? Interpersonal communications? <laughs> yes, interpersonal communication. And you yeah. have no idea. Yeah, everyone expects me to be perfect in everything. <laughs> I would think like any kind of misunderstanding or slight to another must just 
really be impactful. It would be like a ballerina falling down the stairs. <laughs> so what do you do? <laughs> when you're a professor of interpersonal communication, what do you do? You usually talk about stuff like, um, you know, friendships and romantic relationships, family relationships, and then also coworker relationships. So the ways that we try to engage people in our personal lives. So, um, you know, the conversations we have, the, you know, text messaging, phone calls we have, um, and also the nonverbal uh, communication that we use, the ways our bodies and our faces look um, when we're interacting with other people. Like flipping somebody off? That seems so clear, though. <laughs> so wait a minute, you put text messaging into this framework of interpersonal communications? Yes. Well, does someone really expect to have a conversation via text message and not have a miscommunication? Well, you know, so this is really interesting, right? So it kind of gets down to this idea of what are we missing um, by having it be a text message conversation. And oftentimes people point out the thing we're missing is emotional expressiveness, right? Because you can't really write out like, I am laughing right now. I am sad. I am happy right now. And so we, we need to do that in other ways. So it's really like, if you can convey emotional expressiveness, then you can have a good text messaging conversation for sure. And how do you do that? Well, like Adam keeps sending the eggplant emojis. I, well, I, I, I don't. <laughs> Yeah, I have never <laughs> sent you an eggplant ever. Oh, that wasn't an eggplant. Oh, my mistake. Um. <laughs> well, I guess we're gonna we're gonna have to open the the box labeled emojis at some point during this conversation. Is now the time? Sure. Yeah, we can do that. Yeah. So it's not just text messages. People are relying on smartphones, social media, texts, emails, right? So emojis. We have every imaginable kind of um, emotion or expression on there. We can show how we're feeling, whether it's happy or sad or frustrated angry, turned on even, or bored. We can do the same thing with punctuation as well in our written messages, things like exclamation points for excitement, or when you do the dot, 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 the ellipses to show your thinking or you're kind of being sarcastic. Uh, like I'm a really big exclamation point guy myself because I'm super expressive in real life. And so I want to show excitement to the people I'm talking to to let them know they matter to me. And so these are some of the ways that we kind of substitute in that nonverbal expressiveness when we don't have that person face-to-face, -face, when we can't see them or touch them or feel them. Couldn't you talk to them on the phone? Because if there's somebody that you care about enough that you really want them to know that they're important to you, you're leaving that to an exclamation point? If I really care about them a lot, I'll use a couple exclamation points and a couple heart emojis, <laughs> right? But it's still going to be a text message. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. I really love you, but I don't want to hear your voice. Okay. All right. Well, Paula, you're underestimating how many people, you know, are monks who have, and nuns who've taken vows of silence. <laughs> That's true. And they love people too, and they need to communicate too. Exactly. They're laying down a couple of eggplants per text. Um, oh, all right. It's so these things fall into the category of emotional expressiveness. Is that what you say? Yeah. So, um, you know, it's a it's typically a good thing in close relationships. So when we talk about emotional expressiveness, it just it involves letting people know like what emotions you're feeling inside. You know, usually like through your words or your facial expressions or some combination of those. And we usually rely on facial expressions to do a lot of this work. Like it's it really is the heavy lifter there. Mm -hmm. But sometimes we use words in order to let people know how we're feeling. It's funny because we want authenticity so badly in these relationships, but Culturally, we tend to actually de-emphasize the importance of being expressive. So in, in my experience, like my culture taught me to hide many of my emotions as a man. So 
those won't leak out of my words. They might leak out of my face or in some of my behaviors. And then that kind of created a, a general norm for men to behave, or at least like what we might call like men's world to behave, um, which was really problematic when we started making such progress and women started entering the workplace because for a while there, like women were seen as less competent if they expressed their feelings in a primarily male context. So it was really problematic. You know, the culture was problematic, not the mm-hmm. expression of feelings, right? Mm-hmm. And right. so we're, we're still catching up in a lot of ways to getting over that hump that we had so many years ago where we were saying people, professionals, individuals in the public life shouldn't be expressing emotion. They should just be focusing on content. When really we all know that emotional expression is so important in our close relationships. Well, it also helps people understand what we mean, right? Totally. Yeah. The words that we say can mean so many different things just based on our tone of voice. And text messaging in particular doesn't have tone of voice at all. So that's why we're using punctuation. That's why we're using emojis or GIFs or emoticons or all these kinds of things to let someone know, like, I was being sarcastic right there. Like, I hope you know that. In fact, when I just started teaching after um, COVID, I made a really sarcastic, funny joke in class and the students thought I was totally serious because I had a mask on and they couldn't see my sarcasm oh, face. And man. so, yeah, for a while I had to start letting them know, like, uh, I'm being sarcastic. And then they'd all laugh, right? It was this really awkward, awkward thing for a while. And this came from a professor of interpersonal <laughs> communications. So exactly. this was a, yeah, yeah this was Shame a dark you. spot on your uh, resume. <laughs> my record. Um, you know what strikes me as odd? It seems to me that we are devolving instead of evolving in terms of our communication. Because you'll find if you speak to someone on the phone, for example, using your voice, you don't need all this other bullshit stuff. It's such <laughs> a more clear, concise, faster way of communicating. Generally speaking, sitcoms in the old days anyways – uh, almost every sitcom, the premise each on every episode was some sort of miscommunication, right? You know, you could cut down on so many back and forths and so much miscommunication simply by speaking to someone. And we have these devices, in fact, the very same ones that you're texting on, that can do that. Yeah. So this brings up, uh, you know, an interesting thought. So on the one hand, your total words spoken is so much more helpful when you have that tone of voice and, and that ability to, to interpret things that way. But if you think about people who are doing a bunch of things at once, or they're kind of multitasking, or they just have a quick question, but they don't have time to do all the niceties, like, to some degree, that offers that. And then also, when we go back to thinking about that sitcom, the laugh track was the emoji of that day. So they kind of were using emojis anyway. My point is, if you're really busy, unless you are sharing with someone, you know, what time they're picking you up or something that's simply, you know, a fact that really requires no emotion. You know, Jonathan, if you're so hooked on this emoji thing, you can still use it verbally. Uh, For example, (laughs) um, you can say, I'm really happy right now. Happy face. You can put it (laughs) at the end of what you. Paula, let me ask you, you are a fan of letter writing, are you not? I am. Well, why don't you just pick up the phone Uh, so you don't miscommunicate? Well, I guess the thing with writing a letter is it carries a particular kind of significance with it. And there's very few, very few miscommunications happen in a letter. 
<laughs> but you feel emails are different. Well, I feel texting in particular, you know, you know, the whole idea of texting is supposed to be that it's um, it's staccato. You, you know, it's not all the way filled in. And that's the problem. And that's why I say we're devolving in terms of our communication, because, you know, texting is the newest one of all these things. And it's really the least, you know, adequate. It's it's the DeLorean of communication. <laughs> Part of the thing with getting better at texting is actually thinking about what you're texting. And so often people kind of fire something off that they haven't really thought about. And, you know, when you speak with someone, you can watch their facial expressions and you can adapt and you can edit on the go as you're talking to them. And that really helps kind of manage the situation a lot. You can really change what you're saying in order to fit the context, but you can't do that with texting as much. Can I give you a good example of that? Sure. When Marjorie Taylor Greene was testifying in that hearing about whether or not she could remain on the ballot in uh, in Georgia, she was asked if she had tweeted that Pelosi was a traitor. And she <laughs> said, no, I didn't do that. No, I, di- I don't recall. Uh, no, I don't recall doing that. I don't recall. And then the attorney said, well, he had a visual, I believe, of the tweet. And she said, "Okay, I did. So (laughs) she saw the look on his face and she saw the visual of the evidence and she was able to quickly edit and change what she. Okay, I did. uh, All right. Okay, I do recall. I did. So that's uh, that's where you got to have the look on the face and see the visual evidence while you're communicating. I mean, we might be better off if she limited herself to only emojis in all forms of speech, right? Like no content, no words, yes. just emojis. Yes, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Hey, Jonathan. Yes. Should Paula Poundstone learn how to effectively use emojis? Because I'm going to tell you right now, she's not going to. It's not so much about necessarily using emojis, but if you're going to be texting, it's much more about figuring out how to be expressive and getting your emotions across, right? So people are, you know, like she said, they're very good at doing this face to face. We're somewhat good at doing this using a phone. uh, And then we get a little bit less capable as we move to emails or move to text messaging, right? And I think one of the important things to do is to really think about like, how can I convey not only the content I'm meaning to express, but also the relational information that I want, like, what, what am I intending this for? How do I feel about you? How do I hope you'll respond? And that's that's a really important thing to do. But one of the limitations of text messaging is that people are oftentimes putting their own ideas of what's going on onto someone else, right? So if there is no emotional information in there, then you're just going to make guesses, right? Oh, yeah. For months and months and months, my mom would use the letter K to respond to my text, meaning okay. And she didn't know that in like youth culture that that's basically telling someone like, OK, whatever, I'm done with you. And I had to tell her like, hey, every time you type the letter K, it's like you're telling me to shut up. And she's like, how would I ever know that? And that's the, that's a good point. How would she ever know that? So part of it is like just managing the situation. And I think also part of it is there's a big gender difference in the way that people use text messaging. I actually did a a project recently with a colleague of mine, uh, Roger Pace. We were looking at how people are perceiving expressive emotions. We were looking at uh, emojis and exclamation points. You know, we had people texting with one another. And it was really interesting because afterwards we looked at the user perception of the texture We found a really interesting gender difference between male identified people and female identified people um, a lot of the time. What we found, people expected that male identified, you used a lot of 
um, emojis or exclamation points were less masculine. They thought they were less likely to be heterosexual, but they didn't have the similar thoughts about female identified. So what it kind of told us is that there's a lot of kind of leeway in how women text. And there's very rigid rules that men tend to follow um, when they're texting. And that oftentimes limits the very uh, emotional expression that we think is so important if you're going to text, right? So it's the same old shit in a different medium. Yeah. 100%, right? Right. That's not just texting. Guys have a tendency to be a little limited in their emotional vocabularies to begin with. That is so unfair. (laughs) Well, and the other thing about the feminization, uh, like the whole issue that you would think of a a guy who, who used emojis as feminine. Well, that's true. I can beat the shit out of any guy (laughs) that uh, uses emojis. That's one of my first tells. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And then, you know, and then when I meet them in person, I'm ready. You know, I'm ready just to dominate physically. I'll keep this in mind. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Emoji boy, emoji boy. Yeah, boy. Kids on the yard nowadays (laughs) must be just awful. You know, everybody, A.A. Milne said, My spelling is wobbly. It's good spelling, but it wobbles and the letters get in the wrong places. And sadly, because there was no autocorrect, the world never got to meet Winnie the Hoop. More with Jonathan (laughs) Bowman when we come back. The Cat of the Week is Sylvia from Portland, Maine. so happy to be back out on the road. I am vaccinated and fully boosted. I wear a mask until just before I hit the stage and I put it back on just after. And I want my audience to be masked and vaxxed. Do you know why? Because I never want to lose the opportunity to perform in front of a live audience again. It has been so much fun. I got no supply chain problems. I'm backed up with jokes. I'm the crazy Eddie of jokes. I got way too many. I'm practically giving them away. My flight was delayed the other day because I kept stepping behind the first class curtain saying, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Paula Poundstone and stepping through to tell jokes to the rest of the people in coach. Even when they duct taped me to the seat, I said, duct tape? Why would a duck have tape? Why not sloth staples? Well, I guess sloths would staple too slow and the staple wouldn't hold. Besides, sloths lose office work. You gotta come see me in a theater, just so I can get my dignity back. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Jonathan, are there other ways outside of emoji use and exclamation Wait, pa- points? Pa- Paula, can I do can I do a and we're back kind of thing? Oh, I'm sorry. Sad face. <laughs> <laughs> and we're back with Jonathan Bowman. Paula, how you feeling? Sad face. Made a mistake. <laughs> Um, uh, uh, Jonathan, are there other ways? And by the way, why is the poor exclamation point thrown in there with emojis? 
it's like the most expressive of punctuation, if you think about it, right? Like all the other ones just kind of halt your speech or they kind of slow you down or they make you pause. But like an exclamation point is really emphasizing the speech. And if you think about it, like you can imagine the person getting more excited or, you know, raising their voice at the end or being really excited about something and talking about it really loud. So to some degree, it's almost that's true. Yeah, it's, It's almost like an expressive little emoji in and of itself. That's probably part of the reason I rarely use an exclamation point. <laughs> Paula, you and I are like gender reversed in our writing styles. Yeah, and I wanted to talk to you about the, all the texting you're doing with me and the emojis you keep sending. I what? I didn't realize I, I, that's I, what the peach was. Uh, gross. Adam. I've never gross. sent you a peach. It looked like a peach to me. The other thing is, <laughs> they're so small. I, like when somebody sends me an emoji with one of those stupid faces, I can't tell what the face is doing. All I can tell is that someone is sending me something stupid. I have a friend whose husband. Wait a minute. Okay. I I have a friend whose husband cheated on her. And long story short, the way it was uncovered was somebody saw a text from the guy's woman on the side and it had an emoji on the text and the person was like who's writing to this guy using an emoji and that was how it was uncovered and when my friend told me about it I could barely respond to the fact that she'd been cheated on I just kept saying and he would go with a woman that uses emojis that's awful how deeply (laughs) humiliating is that is it it's one thing to be cheated on it's another thing be cheated on with someone who uses emojis. I mean, that's just embarrassing. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Are there masculine and feminine forms of uh, of communication? Everyone has this idea that men and women communicate totally differently from one another. But actually, people across the gender spectrum communicate way more similarly than they do differently. At the same time, there are definitely gender cultures where we learn how to communicate in childhood. So, you know, little boys learn one way to interact and little girls learn another. That's our gender dialect, essentially, right? They call it a genderlect, being clever. But at the same time, with those gender dialects, like with men historically having power, women had to learn how to communicate both the the kind of quote-unquote women's way and also the men's way, which is obviously incredibly unfair. It's the idea of kind of a, a muted group. And so there was this idea that women's gender dialect is often muted in public spaces and in some way that there's a very limited expressiveness that's encouraged. But at the same time, and and we saw this in the study, the feminine forms of speech are actually preferred. So all of our research participants in that previous study I was talking about preferred people to use um, expressive punctuation and emojis, even if they had all these different ideas about the kind of person who was sending those messages. So if someone wants to be really manly but wants to be a good communicator – they have to make those decisions in the moment in order to decide, is this a time when I'm going to be a good communicator? Or is this going to be a time when I am uh, a little bit more manly? That's something that women aren't dealing with to the same degree. Now, it's not a problem associated with feminine forms of communication. So basically, a man before he texts, he says to himself, do I want to be understood or do I want to be a man? <laughs> I, I get that I gotta yeah. tell you, I, I'm one of those guys who like I'll go down to Atlanta for a week and I'll come back with a southern accent and same thing happened oh. to me in London I'm it's like, like I am gosh. absolutely that and I you think got a I'm southern accent in London that's ridiculous yeah 
Oh yeah, yeah. Well, South <laughs> London. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> like, I, yeah. I notice like if somebody starts initiating the whole emoji thing, I'm replying with emojis. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll I'll go there. I bet you could go through the average guy's phone and see that some threads would be completely emoji free from all parties, and other threads would be full of emojis. It's that idea of like, am I going to open myself up to really communicating well, or am I going to stick with this kind of outdated perception of like this is something that guys shouldn't do? So, Adam, if you were to tweet in an exchange with share, you would use all caps. I would use all caps and and somehow attach some sparkles to them. Share uses all caps. Paula, when I when I email you, I keep it brief. I keep it to the point. I try to keep it to as few sentences as possible because that's the way you email. Also, because you and I've always found this weird, and I'm so glad we have a chance to talk about it. And if you would prefer to text about it, that's fine with me. But when you email me, you often send me an attachment that's a photograph of a eggplant. And I, oh, I don't oh, get um, your eggplant thing. I just... I don't think that's an eggplant. I'm really sorry that I even opened up this box. I think we have to close this now. That's uh, that's really embarrassing. You, I thought, you didn't. You I thought our private communications were different than our professional ones, and uh, apparently not. Uh, Jonathan, what do you have to say about that? Yeah. Adam's got problems. Well, that's what you say about that. You actually bring up a really good concept, right? Like workplace communications, right? Uh, professional versus private, like managing our relationships with colleagues and and the people that we work with. The workplace is so weird because like you and Paula, you have a personal relationship and you have a professional relationship. So we're trying to navigate that and and deal with like, how do we communicate well? How do we engage one another well, where we'll get uh, the right message across and still protect our relationship? And, you know, people oftentimes wonder, like, should I use expressive forms of communication in the workplace? And you can pretty much do a good job when it's face to face and reading the crowd. But if you're going to do it in email or by text or any of the Slack streams or something that are in office places now, it really depends on the workplace. And there's a there's a funny meme that went around a few months ago where a guy ended a work email with a smiley emoji and he received a reply almost immediately that emojis weren't professional and so he replied back with just a sad face. <laughs> that illustrates it so well, right? Like expressive communication, it gets the job done in the workplace more clearly and also more pleasantly. Um, so it's probably a really good thing unless there's a good reason to avoid it. But OK, when you say expressive communication, is that just psycho business speak for emojis? N- no, <laughs> It's it's everything, right? It's all the relational content. <laughs> it sounds like you might have some emojis stuck, Jonathan. You are really <laughs> pushing the emoji thing. You can't invest in emojis. <laughs> I think he has invested in emojis. Yeah, I didn't think you could until today. Yeah, I invested in the emoji movie because I didn't understand what it meant. I forgot there was an emoji movie. Oh, I had to see that thing with my kids. That thing was terrible. Ugh. See, that's America at its worst. <laughs> Probably so. Does that phrase encompass other kinds of communication other than stupid fucking emojis? Yeah, it's it's every way that you're trying to convey emotions. So it's the facial expressions that you use. It's the body language that we use. The use of the animated GIF, that's huge now. Uh, it's like the evolved form of emojis, right? Because it, it gives more context. So just like Paula was saying about how a text message is so brief and you can't really get everything across as you could with a phone call, the GIF is like the phone call version of an emoji, right? It contextualizes it. It adds motion. It adds context. That's not the telephone version. Didn't you just say that was the telephone version? He did. It's not. The telephone <laughs> version is... 
Hello, how are you? Uh, oh, you sound angry. I'm sorry. I feel bad. That's telephone. There's lots of emotion that you can use. You can either say with your words how you're feeling or people can hear your tone of voice. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yes. Geez. Uh, uh, what, what is it you do for a living again? <laughs> <laughs> Interpersonal communication. Um, all right. Yeah, sometimes it's it's more teaching people about how to do it. <laughs> huh. um, yeah, I'm a big believer in the phone. I am. Well, um, especially because, again, it's the same device that you're bothering to type words into, and you could just talk to the person. I, I know you don't like to text, Paula, but what I love about texting is that that's communication in my own time. Like, I can send a message to somebody, they get the message. If they reply anytime between now and the next hour, that's great. And when they reply, I have the option of not answering right away because I'm doing something else. Well, or you could do this, which is sometimes Bonnie Burns calls me and she doesn't talk right away. <laughs> that isn't true. <laughs> there's, this, there's this long pause. And, and so you can just wait until you're ready. Um, you could also leave a message. That's a thing you could do. Um, are there jobs where you're not supposed to use expressive communication? There are definitely jobs where you're not supposed to be on your telephone, right? And like, I yeah. think that's where we see like people nine or 10 hours a day unable to do anything but text or write emails. So <laughs> you're, it's the same fucking device and you're not thinking about your job when you're texting. What's the difference? No one knows, right? Because they can't hear your voice, like, talking about wanting to plan a trip to the Bahamas, right? But you can send a little, like, oh, my gosh, I can't wait to go, and a palm tree emoji, and you're set. Oh, so it's a cheater's form. I get it. Okay. 100%. Makes all the sense in the world to me. Um, <laughs> what if you want to be expressive, and the situation just doesn't seem right? So that really depends on your relationship with the person, right? So there's this really good theory out there. It's called expectancy violation theory. It mainly argues that if you know that people like you or you know that people enjoy you or um, they have a positive attitude towards you, you can kind of march to the beat of your own drum a little bit more. Uh, but if you don't know how people feel about you or you know that they actively dislike you, mm -hmm. then you should behave according to just kind of typical customary cultural norms. So in terms of the expressiveness, right, like, if you know someone enjoys your, your company, like you can send them an emoji and it's fine. But if you're working with someone that's brand new and you've never engaged with them before, you might want to um, keep it a little bit more professional. So stay away from the fruits for sure. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, all, all the food. Um, but, uh, but being expressive and like having your own flavor is fine if people like you. Um, and it actually probably makes them like you more. But if you're on the outs with people um, and you want to get back in, like follow norms, follow conventions, don't use expressive communication until you know for sure that they start to have that positive attitude towards you. And that's that's the safest way to navigate complex social or workplace situations. And then also knowing the person you're talking to. Right. So if Paul is my boss, I'm going to call her on the phone. Right. I will do that. That's going to be the right thing to do. But if I'm working with Adam, like we'll probably work fine over Slack or over text the whole day getting stuff done and we won't have to talk on the phone unless we just want to talk to each other. You know, you have such an odd bent because you say getting stuff done as if you couldn't get stuff done by communicating clearly and quickly talking to someone on the phone. I'm telling you, you are part of big emoji. You, there is some way that you get money from this emoji world. You've invested in the eggplant. I'm sure of it. <laughs> so what's the takeaway from all this? So I would say the takeaway is, you know, know who you're engaging with and, and what they expect of you. 
Um, and then based upon what they expect of you, be as expressive as you can be and as comfortable as you're being with that person. And to some degree, like, you know, Adam said, sometimes you have to be the first person to take that step towards expressiveness. And suddenly it'll open up a whole world of depth of relationship. Sometimes, yeah, sure, it might backfire. It might be totally not the right thing. You know, maybe even texting alone is not the best way to handle that relationship. And so you just kind of have to take small little incremental steps towards closeness with another person, see if it's reciprocated, and then back off if appropriate or change your tactic if it's appropriate. It's really a lot about being responsive and receptive. That's interesting because if you send a text, as we know, if you're a guy and you send an emoji to Paula Poundstone, she is going to pound on you the next time she sees you. Yeah, I can beat the shit out of a guy who sends emojis. (laughs) (laughs) I (laughs) can't. Well, Jonathan, that was unbelievably excellent. And now we are going to take all that we have learned and run it through the old Poundstonator. Paula? House band Chris Ketchum Campbell on the Git Fiddle. Thank you so much for filling the house with beautiful music. It sounds great, and it's so good for the brain, and I can use all the help I can get. If I could ask you for a little bit more, I'd love some background music while I tell you what the old Poundstonator spit out. Author and professor of communications at University of San Diego, Jonathan Bowman, thank you so much for being here to talk about the role of gender in expressive communication. I see what you mean. Men can be emotional stiffs, and that can really screw things up. I'm paraphrasing, (laughs) but I think that's what you mean. Although an upside-down exclamation point might help denote sarcasm, I am not sure there will ever be a time where emojis specifically will make things better. I give you, for example, an excerpt from Martin Luther King Jr.'s text from a Birmingham jail. Frankly, I have never yet engaged in a direct action movement that was well-timed, according to the timetable of those who have not suffered unduly from the disease of segregation. For years now, I have heard the word wait. It rings in the ear of every Negro with a piercing familiarity. This wait has almost always meant never. It has been a tranquilizing thalidomide, relieving the emotional stress for a moment only to give birth to an ill-formed infant of frustration. We must come to see with the distinguished jurist of yesterday that justice too long delayed is justice denied. We have waited for more than 340 years for our God-given and constitutional rights. Sad face. And there are those for whom (laughs) no amount of expressive communication can bring understanding or satisfaction. I give you the text of two star-crossed lovers. Adam, I love you. Peach, you're the moon and the stars to me. Rocket ship, I will wait for you forever. Broken heart. Adam, how did you get my number? Stop texting me, angry face. You accidentally used the wrong emoji face, you crazy silly boy. See, you need me to take care of you. Face with heart eyes. Yay. Yay. Text from a Birmingham jail. Can you even imagine? It's so perfectly put. And written in jail. Yeah. And you never are at a loss to know how he feels. You don't need an emoji is what you're saying. Precisely. Yeah. 
Since everybody writes as well as him, I don't see why they need emojis either. <laughs> well, we could, by the way, instead of lowering the bar, we could move towards teaching people to write. We could um, we could strive for better, for sure. Yeah. Author and professor of communication studies at the University of San Diego and our good, good friend, Jonathan Bowman, everybody. Hey, John. Yay. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Thanks for so coming much on our show. For being with us, Jonathan. This is one of the ways that I try to show emotion in my conversation. <laughs> that's the perfect audio emoji. I love it. Yeah, it is. It's an audio emoji. It, that's exactly what it is. Do you see how it, it comes out and gets really long? Uh, it's the uh, it's the eggplant uh, of the. Oh, oh no! <laughs> we went right oh, back no. there. <laughs> Coming up, the reviews are in and you wrote them. Now it's our turn, our review of your reviews when we come back. I fucking hate emojis. <laughs> I couldn't tell. What if you like went to a doctor and they sent a report with like a little emoji? I mean, wouldn't. Then, yeah. It's <laughs> inoperable, sad face. <laughs> Fun fact, fried chicken was first brought to America by Scottish immigrants. But, of course, it was quickly sent back because it was really cold. And we're back. Thank you, Chris Ketchum Campbell. Yay! Doing it big time. Yay! And before we get to our review of reviews, let's do our Carl Lewis challenge update. And I want to start by telling Paula Poundstone something. Paula, you posted a video of you running in the back alley, not when you almost got hit by a car. And, and your question was, does this look faster? And I got to tell you, it looked a lot faster. I'm starting to get worried. Wow. Yeah. I sure do hope so. But if I happen to lose the race, and I am the dark horse for sure, it's because... My hair was hit by a car. <laughs> Wait a minute. My hair was hit by a car. Yep. And you know, I should have like taken a picture of it right away because surely I could have sued. Yes. I have kind of wild hair and I should be able to say that they did this to me. They, they'd arrest him. Yeah. Oh, they, they, you know what? And hold him. No amount of bail would be enough. They said bail at two million. Uh, this is where Bonnie yells, "Hey, Baldy!" No, I'm not gonna. <laughs> you're you're one to talk, Baldy. Um, okay, <laughs> Bonnie, how's your training going? Well, um, I'm still walking the dogs. There you go. I got a app for my cell phone that shows how many calories you enter your food and it's how many calories you eat because, you know, if I lose some weight, I think it's less weight on my knees. And I was really doing it religiously for like four days. And now the last three nights I've gotten into Ivy's like gummy fruity bears or whatever they are, <laughs> falling asleep on the couch. And today the cleaning lady came and she said, oh, I'll wash the slip covers. And then she came over to my office and she had a handful of empty wrappers. And she said, whose are these? I found them <laughs> underneath the couch cushions. <laughs> so you're hiding your gummy bear wrappers under the couch cushions? Well, 
I think it's just I'm too lazy to get up and throw them in the trash. So I just stuff them down in there. Carl Lewis, if you're listening, let's be clear. This is Bonnie's training regimen for the last week. Four days of hard training in that you walk the dog a few times. No. Followed by a gummy bear binge. Yeah. To the point where you blacked out on the couch. And we're discovered by the cleaning lady the next morning. She wasn't blacked out. She was pink and orange and bright green down. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, Julie, how's it coming for you? I know how it's coming for you because uh, you went to that track I did. that I recommended. Yeah. Wow. How was it? it it's lovely. It, it, you do feel like there's a difference when you're running for sure. I know what Adam's talking about. I had my kids run with me and it really helped too because I ended up taking like five seconds off my time. Five wow. seconds? So wait, you're really ahead. But five seconds, that puts you ahead of, I don't know, me? You think so? <laughs> yeah. And, ah! <laughs> no, wow. No. So what's the time now? Should I say? Because I don't know if I'll run again because it really, I'm in a lot of pain. You're currently. <laughs> you are. Yeah. Like I felt great on Saturday when I did it. And then Sunday I felt like I just had another baby or something. Like my whole body oh my hurt. God. <laughs> yeah. Really? Well, if I were you, I'd go back and check on the track. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, did you leave a baby there? Um. It's possible. <laughs> if anybody at the Burbank track finds a baby, it's Julie's. She didn't realize it was a mistake, it was an accident. Uh, so, so, Julie, your time is better than mine, not significantly, but enough, right? You're Less than a second. Doesn't matter. But more than half a second. <laughs> Given the way my training is going right now, you might have me beat. I did take a bike ride or two, but I spent most of my last six days going to various productions of Shrek for my teenager and for my grade schooler. And of course, my wife was working all of them. So most of my exercise for the past week has been walking to and from that community theater where productions of Shrek were going on. That's intense. You know, Carl never talked about that, but I'll bet you it was part of his regimen as well. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure it was. All right, well, let's move on because we have some very important business to get to. And uh, Adam, obviously, Adam, Adam, what? what? Answer the phone. I really don't think this is the time. Yeah, yeah, it is. The phone's ringing. That's that's why it's the time. <laughs> I I can't argue with that ironclad logic, Paula. So, um, hello. Hello. Is this the red phone? <laughs> is this Don Junior? No, 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 no. This is not Don Jr. It's Adam Felber from Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. Oh, of course. Is this a secure line? Let's just pretend it is, even though I just said you're on the air. Who is this? <laughs> this is Tatiana Oblonsky, Vladimir Putin's food tester. I am lucky to be alive. <laughs> wow, of course you are. Um, Hi, Tatiana. How are you? <laughs> Have you seen Putin lately? On television, yeah. Duh. Yeah, I have. He's bloated, right? Yeah, he does look bloated, for sure. So, I am his food tester. If he is bloated, I am bloated. That's how I am bloated. He has been <laughs> stress-eating and drinking, and he makes me take every other bite from his plate and every other sip from his glass. He is so paranoid. I am so Bloated. I'm going to tell you something. <laughs> Are you sure nobody listens to Paula Poundstone? Oh, I'm sure. There are some brave people speaking out in Russia. I am not one of them. I can only talk 
if I am sure no one will hear me. Well, I, I think I think you're safe then, Tatiana. Putin loves to drink and watch Tucker Carlson. So I have to drink and watch Tucker Carlson. It's sickening. But Putin loves it. He takes notes. And he is trying to develop a high-pitched laugh. He has even ordered TV dinners. Last night I ate half a Salisbury steak. Whatever that is. <laughs> that sounds awful. You've no idea. Vlad had gone in to take a leak last night, and I needed to upchuck. So I burst into bathroom, and I saw Vladimir's <laughs> penis just before I hurled apple compote into the toilet. You didn't hear it from me, but Vladimir Putin has a very tiny dick. Oh, well, I think I could have guessed that, even though I would have probably chosen not to. That would be our cover. I didn't tell you. You guessed. I have to go. He'll be wanting his borscht. Tatiana Oblast. So uh, that happened. And now it is time for our review of reviews. Yay! Yay! <laughs> There's no theme song, apparently. But Yay! Oh, I yeah. could come up with one. Type, type, type. Type, type, type. Text, text, text. Type, type, type. It's our review of reviews. Da, 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 yeah. da, da, da. Wow, that was powerful. Yeah, it's got a little <laughs> that <was> <laughs> in. Yeah, that was that very was, powerful. That was yeah. great. Now, here, here's what it is. Every, you know, once in a while, we go and check on how our reviews are, particularly on Apple Podcasts. By the way, if you're a listener and you're thinking of leaving us a review, go to Apple Podcasts. That's kind of your one-stop shop for leaving reviews of podcasts. And, wow, there are some interesting ones out there, and we thought it would be time to um, review them. Right, Paula? Yeah. I think you've made it very clear. <laughs> Thank you very much. And with that, let's have Julie Berkobian step up to the mic and uh, read us some of our reviews. We can't wait to see what the public thinks. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Do you have the reviews? Do you have the reviews? <laughs> I do. Nancy says, hilarious. I can count on Paula to make me laugh out loud. She's helping hang on to the last shreds of my sanity. Love her. Love this podcast. Yay. Oh, Nancy, that is so nice. It had a mental health component to it, which I think yeah. is so important. <laughs> it is a good reason to listen to podcasts, by the way, if they're helping you get through. Thank you, Nancy. All right, Julie, give us another. Okay, Bad Kitty says, I love Paula. I love Paula, and the whole gang is great. Paula's show helps me keep my sanity. Hey, Ooh. gang, if you want to mention my cat's name for Cat of the Week, he would flip. His name is Oliver. Oh, I'm sorry. Thank you very much, but this is quid pro quo. I can't engage in that. Uh, we will not be mentioning Oliver on this program. <laughs> no, whether Oliver would flip or not uh, doesn't, yeah. doesn't matter. That's not the kind of podcast we are. Uh, you can't just flatter us into uh, having your cat named uh, as Cat of the Week. And besides which, does Oliver realize how... Much, Much responsibility. responsibility. Yeah. yeah. Cat of the week. <laughs> it's, it's, not, it's not for every cat, even if it can do flips. No, absolutely not. <laughs> Let me say, Bad Kitty, going for that quid pro quo at the end, it kind of cheapens the message at the beginning. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I wouldn't say, Oliver, if I was told I would never have raisin toast again if I didn't. I wow. still wouldn't say, Oliver. That's how strong I, I feel about Oliver, the cat. Okay, so Bad Kitty's cat, Oliver, goes unmentioned. Julie, read us another one. Bent Paddle. 
Love Paula and the group. Not on board with all of Paula's views, but I love her and the whole gang. Every week is something funny and new. Bookie Book Club. Wait a minute. That's a little cryptic. (laughs) What views of mine could somebody not be on board with? I'm pretty mainstream. I'm pretty all-American. What could I have ever said? (laughs) Half an hour ago on this podcast, you called anybody who would use emojis, quote, stupid, unquote. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I believe in science, Adam. I believe in science. (laughs) Wow. All right, Julie, go ahead. Go ahead. What else we got there? John in Murfreesboro. Love it. Love the podcast, even though Paula gave a shout out to all those who attended her shows in Washington and Oregon while snubbing all of us who came out to see her in St. Louis. I'm so offended. I won't even tell her I didn't see that coin fellow in the audience. John, before I go any further, let me just mention how much I appreciate the crowd that came out to the Sheldon in St. Louis, uh, Missouri, who, for the purposes of this comment, are the best audience I've ever worked to. All right, yeah. Julie, bring us another one. Okay, this is from E Now Now E, and it says, I can't wash the dishes without listening to these guys. Heart emoji. Oh, oh well, I take back there. what I said about emojis for one thing. Uh, <laughs> wow. I'm very flattered. Yeah. yeah. You know what? I'm so glad to be a part of somebody's chores. Remember when you were a kid and you had a friend come over, but you couldn't leave until you finished your chores and your friend would just sort of hang around with you while you did your chores or maybe pitch in and help? There's something just, you know, it goes faster when you have when you have company. Yeah, absolutely. And so uh, I am flattered to be a part of your dishwashing. Me too. Let's move on. Julie, can you do a B90? B90 says, Captain Crinkle. Love the show, especially Captain Crinkle. Oh, that is so beautiful. Take us on. Arrow to the knee 42 says, enjoy it now. I love this show. Paula is wonderful. Every week, this show gets funnier. At least until Paula reads this review and becomes paralyzed by the pressure of being funnier every week. Then it will just be a list of places that Thomas Coyne isn't, accompanied by the sounds of double-stuffed Oreos and balloon animals. And Adam is on every show. It is a lot of pressure, Errol, to the knee, 42. Uh, by the way, what kind of a name is Arrow to the Knee 42? You know, first of all, the idea that you have to put 42 because there were more than one Arrow to the yeah. Knee. Um, 41 Arrow to the Knees. It, was, it must have been like, damn, well, it's clever enough. A guy named Arrow to the Knee, to me, is a guy who was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Uh, Arrow to the Knee. Yeah. And, yeah. and thank you oh. for that continuing backhanded compliment that I'm on every show. Hey, Julie, what's, let's move on. <laughs> 34 colon parenthesis parenthesis $7 sign says, not clean. I Uh-oh. usually love Paula, <laughs> but this podcast isn't clean as rated. There are F-bombs all the way through. Such a shame and totally unnecessary. Well, I don't fucking think that's true. Well, <laughs> I, I, I think that, that 34 colon parentheses has a little bit of a point. I mean, unlike the rest of us, Paula, you kind of fucking swear a lot. <laughs> you know, I didn't fucking realize that we were listed as clean. And by the way, what's unclean about 
saying fuck. Yeah, it's not like we're yelling cocksucker all the time. No, and we wouldn't. No. To me, the phrase F-bomb is so <laughs> offensive. Because yeah. It's, not, yeah. it's not a bomb. No one is injured by hearing the word fuck. Whereas a bomb, and I don't know if 34 colon parenthesis parenthesis seven dollar sign realizes this, but an actual bomb would injure people. But if, if it says not clean on some sort of, you know, maybe we should change that. Yeah, because it's not fucking clean. I'm, I'm not going to stop saying fuck, I'll tell you that right now. And by the way, I don't know how 34 colon parenthesis parenthesis $7 sign knows whether it's necessary or not. Yeah, it's necessary. It's Trust necessary. Me. Like that. It's necessary. It is fucking necessary. <laughs> hey, exactly. Uh, Julie, what about Shawnee Boy? Shawnee Boy. I laugh so much. I've listened to every episode of Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone and ended up never getting COVID-19. Ooh. Wow. This podcast saves my sanity. I laugh so much, and I have certainly learned new words and interesting facts. Seriously, thank you so much, Bonnie, Tony, Adam, and especially Paula, for being my companions when I spend so much time alone these days. The laughter is, without a doubt, therapeutic. Shawnee boy, if you can get your calendar out, let's schedule another session. <laughs> that's, that's very nice to hear. Thank you very, very much. You know, the other thing is, if you inject a little bit of our podcast under the skin, it can cure all sorts of things. This one had a mental health care component as well as a uh, physical health care component. And, of course, we, we all know they're intimately linked. They are. Um, and on that subject, you want to give us the next one, Julie? Yes. A zero one E says no transplant needed. I needed a liver transplant until I listened to nobody listens to Paula Poundstone. Wow. Now it's not going to work for everyone. No. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The nobody listens to Paula Poundstone podcast would like to make a disclaimer here. Uh, Do check with your doctor as to whether you need uh, dialysis and a liver transplant or you could just listen to Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. <laughs> Didn't I do surgery on myself on a show one time? Oh, you did. You did. You performed live yeah. surgery. Yeah. I, yeah. I believe you might have sawed off your own legs. I think I did that <laughs> once. But I think one time I you know, I reached in and I pulled out a... Viscera. Yeah, as I, as I recall. And I'm happy to do that again. If someone's finding just listening to the show isn't enough and they do need a liver transplant, I'm happy to pull mine out during the show. Yeah. And uh, You're a uh, giver. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I do want to point out, there's a little ambiguity here. I needed a liver transplant until I listened to Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. Very well, the implication could be, and then I realized I didn't want to live. <laughs> oh, no. No, you're taking this to a very. I'm just no, saying, you know, no, maybe no. I'm a little bit sensitive. I'm a sensitive guy. I use emojis, yeah. but it really feels yeah. like, you know. I could beat the shit out of you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let's go to Speecher. Speecher. If you remember the Carol Burnett show, you know the secret to the huge success was the family like relationship among the stars. Not since the Carol Burnett show, other than Seinfeld, have I encountered a show with that same successful formula. And then. COVID-19 hit, forcing Paula and the crew into the familial style show that it has now become. Even Carol Burnett herself has been on it. And of course, Adam is on every show. So you've got that going for you. (laughs) 
<laughs> wow, I loved that right up until the end, but I still love it. Yeah, any comparison of our podcast to the Carol Burnett show is brilliant. I, I think I, you can yes, see yes. that too. <laughs> yeah, you can absolutely. Like if you, okay, if somebody landed here from a different planet right. and you were trying to explain to them the Carol Burnett show, I think the first thing you would do is have them listen to our podcast. Yeah. And then you'd hear Bonnie say, so baldy. <laughs> you'd feel the, t- the ties that bind right there. Yeah. Um, well, thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much, Speecher. And you know what? Thank you everybody for for leaving us reviews continue to do so it really does help the podcast when you send that positive reviews it helps spread the word um and by the way if you want to spread words back to us why don't you drop us a line at nobody listens to paula poundstone at gmail.com or hit us up on our socials because we're constantly monitoring the wires for what's coming in paula what is going on in your poundstone product empire this week you know i think we're going to get a lot of listeners that need liver transplants. That's what I think. Um, (laughs) Adam, as you know, my new publicist, Cynthia Cryer of Cynthia Cryer Public Relations is making me and Poundstone Industries, also known as Lipstick Nancy Incorporated, an unforgettable brand around the world. I'm not her only client, of course. She loves to brag that nobody knew who Fulbright Valentine and his world of puppets was until he worked with her. (laughs) She has taught me so much about promotion. She says, you have to have a slogan, you know? So I'll show you. I say where I'm going to be when. I do the call to action, which I've told you before, is where I tell the listener what I want them to do. And I do that twice. Then... I close with my slogan. I haven't really settled on my signature way of saying it, but here we go. On Friday, June 17th, I'll be in Philadelphia at the Kimmel Center for the Arts, Miriam Theater. Buy tickets, buy tickets. Make ha ha your (laughs) habit. Yeah, you see how I got the, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Cynthia came up with make ha ha your habit. She says it's really going to give me that overnight success. She came up with Fulbright Valentine and his world of puppets slogan, stop looking at my lips. And even Fulbright agrees that's what did it. <laughs> on, on, on Saturday, July 30th, I'll be in Arcata, California at the John Van Duzer Theater. Buy tickets, buy tickets. <laughs> Make ha ha your habit. <laughs> so I'm trying to, you know, yeah. I'm not. No, no, I haven't no. really, yeah, I haven't settled on my signature way of, Saying it yet. Yeah, but the slogan is 100%. It's a fantastic slogan. And on Saturday, (laughs) August 13th, I'll be in Marin, California, at the John Dunn Theater at College of Marin in Kentfield. Buy tickets. Buy tickets. Make (laughs) your habit. (laughs) Bam! I love it. Yeah, make <laughs> your habit. I think that's the one. So uh, into that slogan. I wish I could remember the name of the comedian that goes make ha ha your habit because she's the best. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's me, Adam. That's it's right, it's Paula Poundstone. Oh my God, you're the ha ha the for, habit woman. For tickets, go to paulapoundstone.com and click on the tour tab. While you're at paulapoundstone.com, you can click on the shop tab and get a copy of my book, The Totally Unscientific Study of the Search for Human Happiness. It could practically be prescribed for these times. Or 
pick your cat up a pound stone pussy pillow catnip toy autographed to them. Or grab a Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone hooded sweatshirt that comes with a copy of Simple Sample Dialogue to help you let your friends know that you listen to Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. There's a cloudy wonderland of possibilities at paulapoundstone.com. But our listener Heidi gets mad when there's too much promotion. So, Adam, there's no time for you to talk about your other podcast. Make <laughs> <laughs> your habit. Oh, but, uh, <laughs> all no right, time. everybody. Sorry, no time. No, 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 it is what it is. I, I do have that other podcast, though. Oh, isn't that too bad? There's no time to talk about it. I would love to. Oh, well, because I could. I mean, I could make it like we, it's a podcast. We don't really have a time slot. Adam, Heidi, Heidi. Okay, okay, okay. All right, remember to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. It's free. If there's a subject or topic you'd like to know more about, tell us. We're at nobody listens to Paula Poundstone at gmail.com, which is as easy to remember as dad band land. But before we go forward, Paula, um, <laughs> let me ask you. <laughs> I think you're going to get this one, but the word of the week, this week's word, was trumpery. Now, Paula, if you can tell me what trumpery means, I know you've been having some memory issues, but if you can tell me what it means, you'll get to hear the dulcet and inspiring tones of President John Kennedy. But if you can't tell me what trumpery means, you're getting Senator John Kennedy. Ah! Yeah. Ah! So, so for all the marble, <laughs> Paula, what does trumpery mean? I'll tell you what I do remember, Meg. <laughs> Your habit. <laughs> yeah, that's, not, that's not the definition, nor is a podcast about music by a local dad band. That's not no the definition. No time. No time for that. <laughs> um, uh, trumpery means something that looks fancy on the outside, but it's worthless. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Yeah. Yes. Good job! Yes! Uh, you know what? It's so great to hear former President John F. Kennedy, but it's especially great not to hear current <laughs> Senator John Kennedy. I couldn't agree with you more. And with that, that's our show. Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone is hosted by Paula Poundstone and yours truly, Adam Dadbandland Felber. Special <laughs> thanks to our guest, Jonathan Bowman. Thanks to our house band, Chris Ketchum Campbell. Yay! 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 Don't like his music? Well, maybe he can help you find a house. Now a licensed realtor with EXP Realty. Find him on Instagram at at... Chris wow. Ketchum. What a Yay, plug. Chris. <laughs> He's multi-talented. He is. Our <laughs> show is produced by Paula Poundstone, Adam Felber, Bonnie Burns, Ken Lezebnik, and Julie Burkobian. Yay! <laughs> Edited by Vic Lowry. Starburns production by Land Romo. Transcription services for the show provided by Transcribe Me, a premier internationally used transcription service. Use code Paula Poundstone when placing your order at transcribeme.com to receive an expedited service. That's our show for tonight. Won't somebody please listen to me? Adam. Yeah. That's really a terrific slogan, isn't it? Make, make ha-ha your hobby. No, your habit. Your habit. habit, habit. No, it's so catchy. Habit. It's so catchy. You can't forget <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. Did you write that yourself? 
No, Cynthia suggested it. She is oh. really worth oh, yeah. every. I mean, I'm paying her uh, five thousand a month right now. Oh, and, for five thousand uh, a month. Okay, that's uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's sixty thousand dollars a year. Yeah, you know, it's an investment. That's what it is. It's an, you know, I'm not really making that much money right now. Yeah. But you know, you have to you have to invest money to make money. That's what Cynthia says. And then she came up with make ha ha your habit. Yeah. Um, How does it feel saying make ha-ha your habit, Paula? How's that, how's that feel? It feels good. Well, you know, I was thinking that for the podcast, we might use um, laugh away your need for liver. <laughs> yeah, laugh away your need for liver. Yeah, yeah. What do you think? Well, I, I, you know, we could workshop it a little bit. I was also thinking that... Um, laugh your liver down to a sliver? We could also advertise <laughs> at dialysis. We could get um, dialysis people to advertise on our show. Yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. See, oh. that's the thing. Cynthia just gets you thinking, and I think yeah. that's, you know, that's worth the 5000 Did I tell you a week? It's 5000 a week. Did I oh, tell you, you said month at first. No. Um, oh, yeah. Well, she, yeah, yeah, a week. That's that's a yeah. lot of money, Paul. That's a that's a ton of money. It would have been 5000 a month, but then when she came up with the slogan, she right. said, you know, that she had to charge me more. Um, yeah, I guess that's understandable. It's a good slogan. Yeah, make <laughs> your habit. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. I think it's going to be everywhere. I think that's everywhere people are going to. By the way, 5000 a week, is that, isn't that close to like $260,000 a year? I don't know. Cynthia told me not to try to add it up. <laughs> yeah, but if you did. No, she said not to. Okay, yeah. Okay, yeah. Well, that's fair, that's fair. Yeah, 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 that's what she said. Because you know, just back of the envelope. yeah. 50 times 5,000, that's, that's, that's 250,000. I mentioned to her back of the envelope, and she said, don't waste envelopes. That's what oh. she said. She said, yeah. don't add it up. Yeah, that's not ha-ha. Ha-ha's <laughs> your trust habit. Her. Yeah. Yeah. I, I trust her. A podcast network. Hey, everybody. As longtime listeners know, when Helix Mattresses first started sponsoring our show, Bonnie Burns somehow got the drop on me and made off with the first mattress. But in the intervening years, I have gotten myself a Helix Mattress. I've had it for almost a year now, and it has improved my sleep. It has improved my life. I could not be happier. The Helix lineup offers 20 unique mattresses, including the award-winning Lux Collection, which I have, the newly released Helix Elite Collection, which is a mattress designed just for big and tall sleepers, and they even have mattresses made just for kids. Now, if you're like me and you were a little nervous about trying it online, or like Paula, who was screaming in fear of buying a mattress online, don't be. The Helix Sleep Quiz takes into account your individual sleep preference to match you and your partner with the perfect mattress. I took the quiz and I ended up with the great mattress for a side sleeper, the Helix Midnight Lux. Take my word for it, everybody. The Helix Midnight Lux. Oh, don't want to take Adam's word for it. I don't blame you. Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. It's even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula and use the code helixpartner20. 
This is their best offer yet, and it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Paula. Paula, I invited you over, but you fell asleep. Helixsleep.com slash Paula. And if you're going to do it anyway, use our code.